Hello my friends, this is Alex. Welcome to Socialism Survival Podcast number 70. In this show, which is a little bit late because usually I put uh, my show on Monday night, Monday morning or at least Tuesday morning and today is uh, Tuesday night. In this show I have a special guest, Eduardo Calcines. For many months I was looking for someone who survived socialism in other countries and Eduardo is the man uh, like I wanted to find. He's the author of a book, Living Glory Town, One Boy's Struggle Under Castro. Eduardo, he was born in Cuba and he lived uh, there under socialism that Castro created under tyrannic regime that uh, started and still continues in Cuba. And Eduardo, he lives now in United States in Florida. And I will continue uh, the interview with Eduardo after the short segment of housekeeping, virtual housekeeping, you know that, and community organizing. Well, I wasn't well for a few days. That's why I'm late with my show. But thanks God, I'm back on my feet, although my throat is still not working as it should be. But good enough for making this show work and I hope you will listen to the interview till the very end. Please uh, go to my website socialismsurvival.com and if you have uh, comments or questions or suggestions please write me to podcast at socialismsurvival.com. Also I still have a few spots available for my listeners to become my uh, Facebook friends, although it's coming to 5,000 limit, very close. But if you are my listener, uh, please uh, go to Facebook and find their uh, socialism survivalist and uh, ask me to accept you as a friend. Just uh, don't forget, don't forget to write uh, there and mention that you are my listeners. Otherwise, it would be hard for me to add you because so many people ask me to accept uh, their friendship and I would like, but uh, there is a limit. And uh, other people who are not my listeners, I just refer you. And even if you're my listener, listener, I refer you to a Socialism Survival Podcast page on Facebook. You go there and you click like and you will follow the same information that I post on my personal uh, Socialism Survivalist page. And uh, the last but not least, please uh, take a time to share about this podcast with others. Help other people, your fellow Americans, to understand what is socialism about, to find the truth. Because Bible says, if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free.
Hello my wonderful audience, I am back recovering from my flu and I'm pleased to introduce for you today my guest who is Eduardo Casinas. He is the business owner and community activist and news consultant who lives in Tampa, Florida. But more than that, he is the author of a book that I love very much. The title of the book is Living Glory Town, One Boy's Struggle Under Castro. Eduardo is uh, someone who lived in Cuba. And I was looking uh, for many, many months since I started my uh, podcast uh, to bring on the show people who really lived and survived other socialist regimes. And Eduardo, I am so happy to finally find you, someone who lived under Castro regime in Cuba, who survived and who has a wonderful story that uh, was told in this book. Yes, uh, I uh, thank you for having me on, Alex. And of course, both of us need to thank Virginia, who is a common friend <laughs> yes. and uh, the one that basically put me uh, in contact with you and you with me. So uh, because I don't believe in coincidences, I believe that God had a purpose for us meeting. And I compliment you and all the work that you do, as well as uh, what Virginia does and others to make a proclamation that needs to be heard. It's a proclamation of truth um, uh, and righteousness. And so my compliments to you, sir. Yes, I, uh, I thank her too. Uh, in uh, our communication, she's more for me, uh, Margarita. She's, uh, she has a uh, profile on Facebook. She's uh, Virginia Margarita. So I leave Virginia for you and uh, Margarita for myself. Okay? She's both in the same, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> she's a wonderful person, and uh, I thank her for being a. Uh, point of communication uh, for me and between you and me and some other people that she helped me to get in contact with. Yes. Okay, Eduardo, please uh, tell me a little bit uh, about your experience uh, in Cuba because uh, many people know what is going uh, now although not so much <laughs> as they should know but little people know what was going back uh, in that years in uh, Cuba as well as in Soviet Union. So they need to hear from someone who really lived there and who survived all that transition from capitalism to socialism and from uh, free Cuba to slave master uh, Castro. Yes, uh, thank you, Alex. Um, allow me to read briefly from the introduction of my book, sure, which sure. will basically uh, depict uh, the essence of my writing, and it says the following. I was a child of communism. This means I was raised in two worlds, one a world of ideals and the other the real world. The world of ideals was full of Fidel Castro's lying propaganda and empty promises of a better tomorrow. The real world was even worse, a world of, op uh, of, of oppression, hunger, fear, poverty, and violence. 
to an outsider visiting Cuba, there would have been nothing special about my family. We were not rich, famous, or politically well-connected. We suffered neither more nor less than any other family of dissidents who were frantic to get out of what had become a living nightmare. What made us re uh, remarkable was that we survived and escaped. Everything in this, uh, in this story, uh, as I will share with you tonight, is true to its depiction of Cuban life. And although I have now lived in the United States for 40 years, I decided that it was time to let the world know not only what happened to my family, but also what happened and continues to happen today to all of the people of Cuba from whom Fidel Castro has taken everything, including hope itself. In essence, um, I, I felt that uh, those words uh, would convey a clear message about my violated youth. I was born in 1955, at the age of three and a half, nearly four years of age, um, Castro comes into power, and for the next uh, 10 years, my life, as well as our families, becomes a living hell. And so, in the, in the spirit of honoring those family members and others who had stood firm upon the convictions of their hearts in standing against the, the Castro regime, I decided to write the story and reveal my childhood, my personal experience, which is, by the way, the first time that a book in the like of this is ever written from a child's perspective about the first 10 years of communism. And so for many years I struggled with this particular uh, dilemma, uh, which I feel that people like you and I and others yeah. have been chosen um, by God to reveal our stories. Um, it is not a coincidence that we felt the way that we felt and that I remember as much as I remember um, about my childhood, and I could never, I could never leave it aside. And uh, it was important for me to reveal the story uh, in honor of those that um, that cannot speak. And as I write, um, oftentimes in uh, in lectures and so forth, as I speak on on this matter. I, I feel a strong commitment to shed a light upon the, those upon those that cannot see and to be a voice for those that cannot speak. And so, in essence, my story is your story, and it is Margarita's story, and it is many other people's story. It's a story that reveals the truth about the injustice of a system that violates human rights and oppresses the spirit of man and freedom. And so, um, leaving Glory Town comes as a result of built-up anger over the years, which led me to eventually be a, a part of a, an assassination attempt, which is going to be based on my the, the, my next book is going to be based upon that particular story, and ultimately getting to the point as a Christian where I I came to forgive Castro, uh, mm -hmm. therefore liberating me of all the pain, yet committed me furthermore to tell my truth about the injustice of this regime. And as I say in my introduction, these are injustices that have been happening ever since he came into power and began to take everything away from the people, including hope itself. Yes, Eduardo. And uh, reading your book, I found out the same that I knew from uh, what did socialism and so-called communism and Soviet Union, that it uh, destroys the very essence of human life and uh, destroys us as, as humans if people uh, give on to it. Uh, like, for example, you describe the way people in Cuba uh, did uh, communicate with each other before Castro came. 
uh, to power like they would gather together bring dishes uh, play games together just uh, would be very open to each other regretfully the things that we rarely see here in america but like back in soviet union or, or russia or ukraine we had that and back in uh, cuba you had that and then you describe how with the coming of the regime all that changed and people kind of became uh, suspicious. I remember the stories told Stalin's era in Soviet Union when people were afraid to uh, talk to each other, gather together, because they were afraid that even a brother will betray his brother and uh, so on. Yeah, yeah, and Alex, you know, I tell you, I I feel a a deep-rooted connection with you, being that we experience a lot of the same and although many in the intellectual world have tried to disguise the essence of evil mm-hmm. that is represented by this kind of a political philosophy, yes. um, uh, you know, it, it remains true. And um, allow me to read this briefly here from a paper, uh, from a lecture that I prepared. And I think it's important to create this as a foundational platform for the rest of our conversation. And it mm-hmm. says as follows. Communism is a political and economical system that was once one of the most powerful forces in the world. As uh, late as 2004, only Cuba and China maintained the communist form of government. How were they lost to communism? Let's start with briefly, with a brief, uh, you know, uh, history of communism. And it says the following. Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, both economic philosophers, believed in communism. They believed that the violent revolutions were sure to happen in the natural course of history. Marx wrote a book called The Communist Manifesto. They believed that socialism was an intermediate stage where some class differences remain, and communism was the final stage of society where there was no class differences. Their theology taught that people could live in harmony without God, and uh, government would no longer be needed. This doctrine is a direct opposition to the Bible, which teaches God made man with void that can only be filled by his peace, and only uh, uh, can the people live, and only that way can people live in harmony. Without God, man rules with greed and violence. And so, as it goes on in the history of communism, uh, in Cuba is shorter, uh, shorter but equally powerful. The president of Cuba since 1940 was Batista. His name, mm-hmm. uh, his nemesis was Fidel Castro. Although Castro was the son of landowner, he had strong Marxist beliefs. Here is mm-hmm. the connection between you and I. And I think yes. most of the world knows that. He went to Havana Law School and graduated with a law degree, where he got very involved with politics, he said. One day, a copy of that same manifesto made it to his hands. And the famous uh, communist manifesto was something that he idolized. And he never forgot. Uh, he ran for a Cuban house, and he has the history of uh, uh, idealism that's very much in line with the Communist Manifesto. Mm-hmm. And so, how can Cuba and China be lost to communism? I wrote. Some blame the U.S. for not providing more support to Batista uh, or Chain K. Check. The simple answer is that the group of people that didn't like the present government and way of life replaced it with communism. Corrupt and vain governments are easily replaced by the same. Only then can government honor biblical truths that can remain in power. Communism is only a way that seems right to men, but in the end it leads to death, it says uh, Proverbs 14, 12. Mm -hmm. And so in the words of Winston Churchill, and I'll finalize by saying this, socialism is a philosophy of failure, the creed of ignorance and the gospel of envy. It's inherent virtue. It's the equal sharing of misery. And so 
so uh, it, it is important for us to understand the essence of what socialist uh, communists believe, which is in a godless land. And this is a reason that I feel so strongly about this country that we live in today, our, our great land, the United States of America, which is which the Constitution is based on biblical principles. And so for me to be able to speak upon my truth was it, through my memoir in this book, which was, uh, as I shared with you earlier, one of the most difficult things I've ever done is I spent nearly 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, in the process of writing this book, finding an agent. Many, many tears were shed, and, um, mm-hmm. but it, it served this purpose, and the purpose was that it cleansed me of this uh, perhaps uh, unchanneled hatred that became proclaimable through these words that I was finally able to express, and so that the people would allow us, you were asking a, a very good question, the human dilemma of our uh, history, of, of what happens to people in communism as their freedoms are taken away and everything is taken away. We have seen some of that in this country today, and that philosophy that empowers government, not man. And so when I started to tell my story, I, I remember so much about the early days of communism, and I remember the passion of the people that proclaimed Castro as the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. <laughs> yes. Really, <laughs> we remember Grant Park when uh, the, uh, Mr. Obama was elected to office, and, and I vividly remember the images of Jesse Jackson in tears because he was the first black president, and we saw this euphoric passion for his election, uh, the first black president. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, he is half black and he is half white. Yes. Somewhere along the line, we're missing the point. And he's eloquent in speaking, yet, from yes. my personal perspective, he's saying all the right things, although he doesn't have the credentials for even being a CEO of a company. Yes. And so, in essence, we look back at the history of these leaders, both in Cuba and in Russia, and we see that it's all about this false propaganda, which Marx and Lenin and Engel believed in. Say something often enough and the people will believe it. They use the vampire bat principle. The vampire bat blows on the wound of the animal as it sucks his blood and ultimately kills him. This is the same philosophy. The breath of this people, the socialist communists, as we have seen historically, and their inability to govern is based upon false propaganda. And people like you and I are victims, yet we have a great responsibility, Alex, and that is to make our voices heard, as it is the case with anyone else that is hearing us uh, this evening. I think that we have the responsibility to duty, not only to this country, but to those that remain, um, you know, in, in living under oppressive regimes, yes. to make a proclamation so that the world can basically see the truth. Uh, I'll share something briefly with you. Uh, just recently, when I went to record my the Believing Glory Town in audio, I was in California recording it uh, as a book was being published by a second major publishing house, Random House this time, and there I met a, a film producer who became very interested in my uh, the story that I'm uh, currently writing, mm-hmm. which is about the assassination attempt. And he was fascinated with me and fascinated with this particular story. Well, I am a humble man, and I don't take credit for things, and I just basically felt that it was my duty to do so. I also advised him that stories such as mine will never make it to Hollywood, simply because we are not, I am not presenting Castro in a glorious way yes. as the liberator of the Americas, as the Robin Hood of the Americas. <laughs> 
you know, like they did with Che in the Motorcycle Diaries. Now, he was an assassin being presented to the world as a liberator of man. And so this is the irony of humanity, uh, that we don't see truth for what it is. And this truth that you, that you proclaim through your uh, broadcasting here, and through your words on the internet, which I'm very impressed, Alex, uh, as well as with other people that do what you do, uh, is something that is a responsibility that we have. And I'm just delighted to be able to uh, have this moment to share with you. I know that in the back of your mind you're saying, boy, I invited the right guy here tonight. I, was, I have been sick and I cannot speak too much, but uh, I told you that I, uh, I wasn't short for words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And you said uh, really right things in this podcast. Uh, Uh, exists uh, to shed the light on what uh, was before, what is going now, and what uh, can come if uh, people keep just uh, floating in the direction where this uh, socialistic uh, propaganda, socialistic mindset uh, taking them. You, when you yes. uh, when you spoke uh, uh, now, you said about poverty and misery being equally. Uh, distributed and I think it was uh, equally distributed not not only uh, on the territory of one country but throughout the uh, socialistic uh, world uh, in the whole world uh, like uh, you yeah. <laughs> described eating uh, uh, Soviet horse meat in Cuba that's uh, the story that uh, touched me you know and um, uh, also more terrible things like this socialistic universal health care that yeah. uh, we survived but some people that we know didn't survive like I told a lot in my podcast about my mom the yeah. mo mother of nine children who who died at hands of uh, socialist uh, regime and that health care that they had and in the beginning of your book you uh, tell the story when uh, soon after Uh, Castro came to power and many doctors left uh, the Cuba. Your cousin Carmencita, she got sick and she died because they didn't know what to do. The, those uh, doctors who were not real doctors, I think. Yes, absolutely. And it was, uh, it was she died of meningitis and it was misdiagnosed and ultimately uh, she was taken to Havana. I am from the area of Cienfuegos, which is on the southern coast, uh, near the uh, southern coast of Cuba, near the Bay of Pigs. And um, so they took her to Havana and um, yes, absolutely. Uh, we felt very strongly that it was, uh, it was a transitional time in Cuba and many of the leading doctors, world doctors, leading doctors uh, had left the country. So, um, you know, uh, today Castro also proclaims, you know, their education and their, the medical, you know, the medical advancements that they have made. The same way that he proclaimed the cow to be able to deliver 125 liters of milk uh, a day uh, when Jacques Cousteau I remember sat with him uh, it is all nonsense, it is all false propaganda, unfortunately as the Bible says, my people will suffer for lack of knowledge it is, base, uh, it is, it is basically true uh, everywhere um, this individual with his false propaganda proclaims things that are not true the medical system in Cuba suffers suffered back then and suffers today Uh, even though, uh, you know, in the eyes of the world, the Cuban regime continues to do the right thing uh, for the poor. 
uh, as they send uh, as they send the doctors out, basically just to make money for the government because they have no economic uh, sense. It generally is the case with liberals. They live in this world, this utopia, that uh, allows them to, to, to believe that these things are possible as they empower government and disempower human beings. Uh, related to the comment that you made, allow me to share this with you. The meaning of yes. peace is the absence of opposition to socialism. Those are words from Karl Marx. In other words, socialism is often we see uh, these individuals are very forceful. They're bullies. They're thugs. And anybody that disagrees with them is, is, is downright evil, and they are proclaimed to be as such. We have seen with this administration, and I speak truth, and I don't back down from speaking truth. This yes. administration is the same way. I just saw Rob Emanuel running for mayor of Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, they're mobsters. These are mobsters, and, and unions are that way. They're bullies. And so this is what they believe in. The meaning of peace is the absence of opposition to socialism. And so, uh, you know, this is, this is a reality that we have to deal with. Yes. Uh, I want to just get a little bit more about this uh, hope that those liberals, uh, many uh, liberal Americans, uh, including this administration, they uh, trying to push with uh, this uh, universal uh, health care. Uh, let's say, uh, for example, uh, it was just the beginning of Castro regime. Let's say maybe he had a good intentions, uh, like this administration has. Well, it's uh, over 50 years since uh, Castro came to power. I think 50 years should be fairly enough to uh, do something good about that kind of uh, health care. Yeah, there, there has never, there has, uh, no, history... Uh, speaks for itself. You know that the man still conducts himself, uh, and now, or did for many years, conducted uh, four, five, six-hour speeches uh, talking on basically all the glory of communism. Yeah, I, and, I, I think you can get sick only listening to that. Yeah, and uh, it, it's just crazy because you, you, you can see that he lives in the past. Uh, and because he rules by intimidation, and you were mentioning that before, uh, you know, the Romans knew that you divide and you conquer. Uh, the same philosophy has been implemented by the communists. The communists, is through intimidation, because, you know, in the early days of the revolution, all you needed, uh, they had what was called public courts. And public courts uh, was a truck of government officials uh, coming and setting up stage in a street corner, uh, with a microphone and a couple of government officials sitting on a, on a, on a chair as judges, and they would bring their, their individuals from that immediate area, and those neighborhoods had been, had been accused of having had previous involvement with the Batista government or accused of doing anything that was, in their eyes, counter-revolutionary. And from those public courts, Alex, uh, mm -hmm. Many people that uh, they were put before firing squads or sentenced to 20 and 30 years uh, in prison. And so in essence, what I'm saying is, is that intimidation rules and that kind of a philosophy uh, of, of oppression and violation of human rights in, in, in opposition to the, the uh, representative democracy that he, early on he promised the people is how it works. And so, you know, th this is how they have been able to rule. Uh, through intimidation and clear mistrust of, uh, among the people who are so afraid to speak that you can't unite 
you can't unite. So they they remain divided. And so recently in a publication from uh, Raul, uh, who said uh, the Cuban model doesn't even work for us anymore, is in essence representative of the fact that they have had a failed philosophy uh, of government and nothing has ever worked correctly in Cuba. It is not, uh, cannot be blamed on embargoes or anything else. It's blamed on a failed philosophy of government. It's that simple. All the way, all across the board, while both he and approximately, it's estimated there's about 10 of them, who are multi-millionaires. Castro has, is nearly a billionaire with investments all across the world, property in Spain and a lot of his investments in, in Swiss banks. And uh, so the same for Raul and, and their handful of people. And so basically we see the socialism is precisely that, which you mentioned in an earlier conversation, is the empowerment of the few and the misery of the masses. Yes, and um, uh, so everything, including uh, health care, uh, got either, either the same or got worse since the Castro came to power. Is that right? And this is what's going to happen in this country if we're not careful. You see, the minute that you begin to, to penalize capitalism, begin to, to, capitalize, to, to, to uh, penalize the spirit of man wanting to make progress, and although there are great dangers uh, in capitalism, such as greed and vanity, which in, you know uh, the Bible speaks uh, on, uh, you, you, you cannot disempower man. Uh, for the sake of empowering government. And so with social health care reform, uh, this is what has happened. And what you see is, is that uh, eventually uh, those few that, have, uh, that, that, that work hard uh, and that make businesses uh, and that have to pay the massive amounts of taxes for the sake of caring for those others that, you know, oftentimes could work, yet they don't work because it's much easier to depend on government. Uh, they themselves will begin to, you know, the dream of, of becoming successful, as has been the case with some of us, uh, will begin to fade away. Why work to pay for those who can and yet won't? Mm -hmm. uh, yet I do believe that there is social justice, and I think that there are conditions in this country that we need to emphasize on. I am very sensitive to the need of the poor. Uh, but I believe yes. in hand up, not necessarily just a handout. I believe in the empowerment of man, yes. not the empowerment of government. Yeah. And so all these socialist ideals, whether it is financial reform, social uh, reform, or health care reform, that we have seen presented by these, this, this insane uh, House of Representatives uh, in the last four years, which began the downfall of the economy, uh, even in the Bush presidency, uh, now hopefully after $14 trillion in debt, uh, we'll begin to make mm -hmm. a comeback and empower people so that consumers can begin to feel a sense of, uh, you know, a sense of uh, health again. And uh, confidence uh, will allow for, you know, uh, dollars to be spent and for our economy to, uh, to, to move forward. Um, we have a lot of debt to pay, and uh, health care reform is inevitable in this country. 
the defeat of this uh, healthcare reform is inevitable, as, as I hope it happens soon. I know that we are right now speaking as uh, our beloved president is is giving a State of the Union address, and yes. uh, his <laughs> eloquence, everlasting eloquence, he will uh, lift his head uh, along with his nose and speak of all the promises and all the ways and all of this, oh, all yeah. of these oh, yeah. philosophies to get us going in the right direction, as he now knows that he is not going to be able to do a lot of that with the Republican Congress. Um, so, you know, I am sorry to be taken of your listeners' time, but I believe that this conversation is far more important than anything that he has to say tonight. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, we have such a coincidence that uh, uh, you're able to talk on my show uh, exactly the time when uh, the American president is speaking, yeah. addressing the nation. Uh, Eduardo, uh, let me uh, go back uh, to the times uh, that preceded even the uh, existence of socialism in Cuba. Uh, the Soviet uh, October Socialist Revolution in 1917 and Lenin. You know, some people, uh, when they uh, speak about uh, Soviet socialism, they try to blame everything on Stalin, that he was evil man, but uh, those modern socialists, they try to justify Uh, Lenin. But yeah. uh, when you uh, described what uh, Castro did when he came to power and all this, his courts and how he was shooting uh, people left and right, well, that's what exactly Lenin initiated. He started mm. uh, the thing that was called Red Terror. It was red terror. It wasn't uh, some good change or changes or whatever. Uh, what he started uh, was Red terror and uh, that's uh, uh, what they eventually uh, did in Cuba too they just yeah. co co continued that red terror in Cuba so it's terrorism yeah. the socialism yeah. is uh, is terroristic uh, in its uh, nature in its essence Yeah, that's the essence of well, how they how they rule. It's just like the bully in the street. Until somebody punched him in the mouth, uh, you know, he would continue to intimidate and get your lunch and my lunch, right? Uh, it's the same philosophy. These guys, uh, Castro, I know, and I don't know as much about you know the Soviet Revolution as I do about the the, the origins of, of of Cuba's revolution mm -hmm. and the individuals that that partook in it. Uh, but these individuals were nothing but thugs. I mean, he was raised, you know, a wealthy man. His father was a land thief. Castro's the Castro's father was a land thief, and uh, you know, he he had every every opportunity before him presented to him. Uh, but he was a thug who ruled uh, with with uh, in, by intimidation and terror. And yes, absolutely, the terror is something that you know we have seen a genocide in Cuba, and uh, there are many who have written uh, very specifically upon these statistics. Statistics, the number uh, in, in in numbers that that are shocking uh, to me as as well as as others. They're not as shocking as the Holocaust, which impacted my life tremendously. Yes. And uh, when I first came to find out about it, and ultimately led me to tell my story. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, when you start talking about the possibility of over 200,000 deaths, including those that have tried to find freedom in the United States uh, by crossing the Florida Straits, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is 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 quite a quite astonishing figure. 
And uh, these are documented uh, numbers that uh, oftentimes uh, go unnoticed. This is genocide, is what it is. Yet the, the United Nations and the many in the free world still don't see, uh, you know, the the uh, terror uh, that these that these regimes put upon the people. And here's the greatest danger, Alex, as you and I know. It isn't just about what happened then. Oftentimes, Cuba is not a, a significant issue of conversation for many people. Neither is uh, the Soviet Union after, uh, you know, you know, uh, after the 90s. But um, uh, what we need to remember is, is that uh, uh, history repeats itself, and the philosophy of some of these individuals that we see in office today, and those that um, you know, uh, sort of walk in the shadows of, of this utopia, is one that is ever so present and dangerous because of the fact that they, this is what they believe in. Yeah. Uh, Castro read from Mein Kampf, Hitler's book, uh, while he was in jail the first time that he was in prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, he used that book as sort of like a, uh, a recipe book, if it may be, for political strategies. And so we have, we have, um, we, we have, there are great dangers in the repetition of this uh, cyclical destructive behavior that we know as socialism, uh, socialist communism. Um, yes. Yes. yes, as you said, uh, it's not uh, just uh, what happened in uh, Soviet Union or in Cuba. As uh, sometimes I mention in my podcast, the poetry that we used to le learn in um, uh, Soviet schools, and exact it exactly says the uh, spirit or ghost is wandering in Europe, the ghost of uh, communism. And uh, even though uh, Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore, but uh, the ghost, the that spirit, the, the, that evil spirit of of communism, of socialism, uh, is uh, well active, uh, and it's uh, active now in this country. Yeah, and let me ask you briefly here, and I know that your audience has heard this before, and uh, I am not to be interviewing you, but um, what 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 motivates you uh, to do what you do? Well, I have uh, two kids, uh, uh, a boy and girl, and uh, uh, I want uh, them to have uh, a better uh, future, f future uh, with the uh, love of God, uh, oh. future with uh, uh, principles, future when they uh, don't have to pay the debts that this uh, socialistic regime uh, making uh, th them for the future. Yes, and uh, you know, from what I understand and what I've read about you, I think that um, perhaps someone like you should devote yourself to uh, begin to to create some kind of an outline and begin to put some of these uh, personal experiences on paper. And um, because I think that your stories. Uh, from what I understand, you have been, you know, you had gone through incarceration and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of personal struggles as a result of of communism and socialism, uh, as as it may be. Um, yes. You know, yes. there's this this that is part of what what I do, and and my commitment has been based upon the fact that 
you know, a pen is mightier than the sword. I am not afraid to take a sword at hand, and I was and have never been. Yes. But I feel that through the written word, um, you know, the, the many who have never known about this reality that both you and I know in this particular case, uh, with the Leaving Glory Town book, uh, the truth is revealed about the human side, not necessarily the political. We can talk about politics all day long and agree and disagree, but uh, no one can, no, no one that I have spoken with has, uh, that uh, is not of Cuban descent, in other words, Anglos and others, have ever been exposed to a story quite like this, where facts are revealed from, you know, day to day on a personal basis. This is not anybody else's story. This is my recollection of my truth, which is what makes it a memoir. Uh, yes, uh, and uh, this to your story and what you did uh, writing your book, and uh, actually you have another book, but we will uh, talk a little bit uh, a little bit later. Uh, it encourages me to keep what I'm doing, and what I'm doing, I'm uh, writing my book. Uh, a story of uh, my survival, of socialism, survival of uh, uh, Soviet army, uh, let's say that, uh, and uh, uh, the consequences of being disobedient to Soviet regime that they put me uh, in a jail and then put me in a mental institutions and uh, uh, other persecutions uh, uh, that uh, I survived, like you described, for example, the Castro was sending thugs to your street uh, to disrupt and to make create conflicts, to pe put people in jails, and Soviet uh, regime was sending uh, so-called Druzhiniks to uh, whom they paid to disrupt uh, peaceful meetings of Christians uh, who prayed and praised God uh, to disrupt to disrupt to beat. People, they even raped uh, Christian ladies and uh, more other awful things that they did uh, in the name of this uh, utopia. Yes, it is. And you know, you know, Alex. There are. I just recently wrote a letter to the uh, New York Times as well as Wall Street Journal, and I think that uh, Virginia Margarita, uh, yes, yeah, she did publish it, and um, mm -hmm. you may have gotten to see it. And it's regarding Cuba travel. And, um, I, I, you know, it, it is appalling to me how we, we somehow believe that, um, you know, we can, we can continue to throw a lifeline, a financial lifeline, uh, to these regimes with the expectations that they will change. And it is my belief that, as we have seen historically, uh, things do not change because these are narcissists. These are individuals that uh, truly, in their minds, they believe that they have the ultimate answers for uh, you know all the solutions of the world, and they're all based on their sick ideals. And so, as as we move forward with our proclamation, yours and mine and others, uh, we will continue to reveal to the world uh, the essence of the problems that exist. Uh, and uh, I am going to send you a YouTube piece that I, I sent Margarita uh, regarding um, a, um, uh, an act of, um, I forget what they call it now, but it's a repressive act on the part of, um, of uh, common citizens, of course, infiltrated by government officials upon a family of human rights activists. And uh, it visually shows you just what happens still today 
uh, in the island of uh, prison of Cuba uh, to those that stand against the government in a peaceful manner, human rights activists, uh, activists dissidents, uh, hum, you know, for human rights and individuals that uh, are peacefully proclaiming uh, their truth. And their truth is based upon the fact that uh, there is no representative democracy, there is no freedom of speech, there is no freedom of religion, no freedom of the press, in essence. They tell you that there is freedom of religion, but there really isn't. They have control and manipulative control over it as well. Yes. And so along the way, as they speak of uh, creating relationships with the country and all, uh, with, with the Cuban government, it's interesting because um, there is absolutely no guarantees that they're going to change their philosophies as it is anyway. They have done what they have always wanted to do, empower themselves, because they are self-serving. Uh, and, um, you know, the reality, the reality that that uh, speaks for itself is, is one that we need to maintain a position upon and uh, never, never uh, retrieve from that uh, stance of righteousness, which is what I consider to be mm -hmm. a bad perspective, but it's not only based on, on speaking from those who cannot speak uh, as, as they are persecuted in, in Cuba at this time, but also to make sure that we're watchdogs for the freedom that we have in this country. Eduardo, from your book, I also... Um uh, kind of uh, could sense and uh, uh, hear the cry of uh, hopelessness and uh, senselessness of uh, uh, human life. Uh, uh, like in Soviet Union, uh, when people uh, lost all hope, they resorted to suicide. And you describe uh, because uh, people didn't see any light, any hope, like young people. Uh, actually, I didn't know before reading your book that uh, in Cuba they took uh, kids 15 years old to army. So Soviet Union it was uh, the age of 18, but in Cuba it was 15. Uh, so right. I could read from your book. And such um, young uh, people, teenagers in the age when their psychology just uh, builds up, uh, you know, they, they were taken to serve in the communist army. And of course, I'm very happy for you that you you was able to escape uh, just a year before you could be taken there. Yeah, six months actually. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it was a year, but you know, six months prior to you, a a boy, because this was mainly for men, young men. Uh, six months prior to the 15th birthday, they started holding papers back, and in their own cynical way. And so uh, we were, you know, we were coming close to uh, the end of the line. And so at a, at a tender age of 12 and 13 years of age, I, along with a couple of friends, we considered escaping and, and throwing something in the water and uh, anything that floats and, mm -hmm. um, and leave. And, and um, that, that's a sad state of affairs. But I don't try to glamorize that uh, because I know that others throughout the world have suffered great, uh, you know, from great, you know, great tragedies themselves. Um, but yes, I wrote about that, and I think that it's important for people to know that, uh, you know, at 15, you're not ready to go 
fight, and in those days they were they were fighting in Angola, and the thought of just going and putting a weapon in your in your in your hands and uh, being away from the family uh, is quite a traumatic thing for a young man. And so there were some. Uh, I was a street kid, and I I grew up in tough streets, mm-hmm. and so I, I probably would have done it. But I know that uh, ultimately I would have ended up either dead or in prison. Uh, because of the kind of family that I came from and the principles that I believed in. And so uh, the truth of the matter is, is that there were some that were not as, as, as streetwise or, or their convictions were, were such that did not allow them to even begin to think about going in the military because it was a harsh place. So, yes, there were suicides committed. There were times that I heard of kids being burning, throwing gasoline on themselves and burning themselves. And so this is rampant. This isn't just one isolated case or two. This was this was very common, you know, commonplace, especially when people began to see the rope tightening around their neck in terms of the political oppression. You know, when when and very few people, you and I can understand it, uh, but when 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 you begin to lose your rights, you sort of just kind of give up on yourself. And this is what happens in Cuba even today. When you see many of the Cuban immigrants, Castro's children and grandchildren that come, they don't have moral values to speak of, you know? Mm-hmm. Infidelity is rampant. They look to just exist. There, there is no, there's no foundational political philosophy in many of their lives because for them it's just been, uh, you know, uh, survival, a survival condition. Mm-hmm. And so although many of them disagree with the, with the regime, uh, they feel disempowered uh, by the intimidation and the conditions that they have to live in. And so, as it is often the case with Castro and his exercising, uh, or the Castro's exercising the philosophy of divide and conquer, the moral values uh, disappear. Uh, and I remember my mother visiting her mother, uh, her family uh, back in 1979. And the first thing that she told me is, is that she saw many of these young people in front porches in the middle of the day. Uh, drinking beer, yes. and so what happens? What happens? Uh, you know, to 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 the desire to 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 become a better person and to you know have a job and have a family. Uh, there is no such a thing, mm-hmm. and so moral values uh, disintegrate rapidly. It's thus the human spirit, and also ultimately they find no other solution other than to take their own lives or throw themselves in the ocean, as many have. There are many stories, Alex, that um, I, I like to do a collection of them someday in a book. You know, all these testimonies of the struggle and the desperate struggle for freedom. And uh, it's yes. interesting because, you know, Tony Blair said it best. He said about this country, you know how you can tell a good country from a bad country is look how many people want to come to it versus how many want to leave. Yeah, yeah. Many of the yeah, ones exactly. that are coming here today, they're coming here for economic reasons. There's no political principles behind it. Yeah. They just want to take advantage of what we have here. Yet, these are the individuals that are being recruited by the liberals in this country, yeah. by, with the same philosophy and the same nonsense, the same, excuse my language, bullcrap that uh, they fed us many years ago. Yeah. Don't worry, government will take care of you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, gradually, exactly. if things don't change, the numbers will dictate that only the left-wingers will, will, will reign in this country because numbers will get them elected. Uh, and they are heavily recruiting Latinos 
who, by the way, sad to say, is the most regressive race in our country. Yeah. Regressive in many fronts. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, that's what we see. Uh, and unfortunately, our time uh, on the show is running uh, out. Uh, we have a few minutes left. And... Um, I would. Uh, I wish I could continue it on and on, and I believe we will have uh, another opportunity uh, that God gives us in the future. Uh, before we close and come to the end, um, I would like to mention uh, another book uh, that you wrote, uh, the title uh, "Rooftop Clubhouse." Uh, as I understand, uh, this uh, book is uh, for children, and uh, that you, like me. Uh, do something, uh, writing such book, uh, f uh, in care of the future generations of our children. Yeah, it, it pleases me greatly to hear about uh, your love for your own children and your telling of the stories to them before they go to sleep. I think that that is, uh, is precious and it, uh, it, uh, it dictates in my eyes uh, the difference between a good man and a not so good of a man. Um, uh, but yes, this book is called Rooftop Clubhouse and it's a book of character building virtues for children. And uh, you can get more information on, uh, on eduardocalcines.com. And uh, it's a book that I, a self-production, this was not published by a major publishing house, mm -hmm. but I did not want it to be edited as such. I wanted yes. to incorporate godly values, yes. fruit of the spirit values, things that are positive and constructive, and character building. That's what, that's what uh, this is all about. So thank you for mentioning it. Uh, it is one of, it's been one of my, uh, my uh, most joyful experiences, uh, writing and telling uh, six different stories of these children in, uh, in Cuba that found a way to uh, overcome the adversity of difficult times uh, through the spirit of the redemptive spirit of love. And I, I, agree, yeah. I agree with you, Adel, that uh, uh, what we can do, we can uh, work for building the character of the future generation, because yeah. only, only strong uh, character with uh, right values can survive the things that uh, uh, we survived, and I thank God for my uh, parents and grandparents who instilled in me uh, that kind of values. And uh, I know from your book that uh, that's what your grandparents and your parents did for you too. Yes, absolutely. And I tell you, I am just grateful. Uh, this, this book I dedicated to my father and my grandparents, um, and, and you're absolutely correct. It is about that which they instilled in us. And again, we have the responsibility to pass it on. One of the saddest things that is happening today, and I have, a, you know, for a long time I've worked with troubled youth. One of the saddest things that is happening today is, is that uh, we, we don't, we're not caring enough about uh, our, our kids. Our girls are growing up with our fathers in their homes and they don't understand the essence of love. And so any boy that comes around and promises them love uh, takes them to a place that they should have no business in. Therefore, impregnation comes about, um, you know, and ultimately this vicious cycle continues. Uh, boys are not being taught to be men and to be responsible and to honor women as it should be, uh, as it should be done according to the Bible. So there's a lot of dysfunctions in our society today, yeah. and I do believe that it's a lot based, as you say, upon the lack of character. Uh, values that we're instilling in our children. We have the educational system, which is the largest socialist monopoly in our country. Yes, uh, going yes. in every direction. 
and godly. So I know the time is short. Yeah. I want to thank you, Alex, for the time you've granted me. Uh, I think you're an awesome individual, and I appreciate once again what you do. Hey, uh, Eduardo, uh, before we finish, uh, you know, uh, I know we just started the conversation and we already have to finish it. Uh, and we just uh, lightly touched what is in your books. Uh, where my listeners, listeners can go uh, if they want to uh, buy uh, those books uh, and read for themselves. Yeah, uh, and thank you for that. Uh, you must know, and your audience must know, that it is never my purpose uh, to sell myself or to sell any of my products. Um, but, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to do so uh, simply because it is, it is something that is important to, uh, to me, and it's the reason that I wrote it, for those that did not know or that do not know, uh, for them to know. Uh, this book, Leaving Glory Town, if you can just Google Leaving Glory Town, you'll find 20 pages on okay. different... Uh, uh, you know, information and so forth. Um, purchase it at any of those websites. Uh, call your local, um, you know, book dealers, Barnes and Noble, um, more than likely. Uh, but, uh, you know, call them before you go. But, you know, you can find on the internet Leaving Glory Town, One Boy Struggle Under Castro. Is it a uh, rooftop clubhouse also available? Rooftop, I did it on my own, and it's basically, I did so because uh, you can get it through my EduardoCalcines.com. Uh, it, is, it is, in essence, a ministerial book. A significant percentage of the profits from this book have been donated and are going to continue to be donated uh, to charities and to, uh, you know, trouble youth and the disadvantage. That's and so, great. Um, yes, you can purchase both, one through the regular website and the other one through me, uh, through this my, my website. Uh, thank you so much, Alex. If people want to contact you, how they can contact you if they have questions too? You know what? Uh, yeah, that's good. Allow me to give you my email address. Uh, yes. And you can find that through eduardocalcinas.com. But uh, my email address is gallo, G-A-L-L-O, the number 26 at hotmail.com, gallo26 gallo at hotmail.com. Uh, or just visit my website, eduardocalcines.com, and there is a contact page where you can contact me. Hey, Eduardo, thank you very much, and I will be looking forward for uh, another uh, meeting on this podcast with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. You've been listening to Socialism Survival Podcast. Until the next week, when you will hear again the voice of the common sense, the Socialism Survival host, Alex. Mm-hmm.